Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Revelation. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to establishedinthefaith.com, and if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now, picking it up in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 14, and we hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. finish up our study in the book of Revelation tonight. We're in Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22, we're going to pick it up tonight in verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Now, the phrase, blessed are they, presents the seventh and the last beatitude found here in the book of Revelation. And it's for all of those who do his commandments. How many of you have kept the commandments? Come on now. None of y'all have kept the commandments? Keeping the commandments is impossible. No one has ever kept the commandments. We try. We do the best we can. Haven, if you will, go to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. A very familiar passage of Scripture. Romans 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Like I said, no one has kept the commandments of God, even the best of us. Whomever that may be, uh, we're constantly falling short of what God requires. So what does it mean then in Revelation twenty-two fourteen? Blessed are they that do his commandments. What in the world is it talking about? Really, when you study out the word of God, you'll find that there's only one who kept the commandments of God perfectly, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. The moment you and I accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are then justified freely by His grace. If you look there at Romans 3, verse 24, Romans 3, verse 24, just, we are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, justified, that's justified, never sinned. Jesus took our sins upon himself, and he gave us his righteousness. His perfect life now becomes my perfect life. It becomes your perfect life. When God looks at us, he sees us as being in Christ Jesus, He no longer sees our sins because the sins were done away with at Calvary. Haven, if you will, go to Romans chapter 6, verse 3. 
The moment we got saved, we moved from the position of lawbreaker to lawkeeper. The Bible says that we were baptized into Christ. Romans chapter 6 verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ. That's not water baptism. That is a spiritual thing that takes place the moment you get saved. You're baptized into Jesus Christ. We're baptized into his death. Therefore, verse 4, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in a newness of life. Haven, if you will, go to Galatians 2 and verse 20. What that means is that in the mind of God, when Jesus died on Calvary, the old James Pierce, what I used to be prior to salvation, died with Christ. When Jesus was buried in that tomb, I was buried. My sins were buried. When Jesus was raised from the dead, a new James Pierce, that we should walk in a newness of life. A new James Pierce uh, rose with Christ. I am in Christ. He is in me. And in Galatians 2 and verse 20, the Apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. In other words, it's not me that's living this thing. It's not me doing anything. It is Christ that liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God that loved me and gave himself for me. The only way that you and I can receive the blessing of Revelation 22, verse 14, or any blessing for that matter, is by you and I simply putting our faith in Christ and what Christ did for us at the cross. It's not a thing of you doing something. Haven, if you will, go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. We don't have to do anything to be saved. It says in Ephesians 2 verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, in Revelation 22 verse 14, Haven, if you'll go back to that, Blessed are they that do his commandments. The commandments must be kept. But it's not a matter of you and I keeping them. Jesus Christ has already kept them for us. Now, does that mean I get to go out here and commit adultery? No, because that will cause Dana to commit murder. <laughs> Understand what I'm saying? No, that doesn't give us the right now to just go out here and do whatever we want to do. The law of God is written on our hearts. As a child of God, once the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and life, you don't want to sin. You want to do that which is right. You want to please God. That seed um, is in you, and you want to do uh, that which is right. 
All right, Haven, if you will, uh, verse 15, Revelation 22, verse 15. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and make a lie. All who are outside of Christ falls into one or more of these categories here listed in verse 15. Now, he said, all, he said, for without are dogs. Now, that's not talking about your pet at the house. That's not talking about my little puppy at the house flip-flop. We're not talking about him. But the word dogs, as is used here, is referring to a male prostitute, a homosexual, or a sodomite. That's what is being referred to there. The next thing we want to look at is sorcerers. Now, sorcerers has to do with witchcraft, incantations, spirits, fortune-telling, and that sort of thing. Um, the Greek word for sorcerers is pharmakia. It's where we get our, our English word comes from that, uh, pharmacy. That's where the word pharmacy comes from. It has to do with drugs, drug use and drug abuse. Uh, we have a lot of people today that are on drugs, and it falls under that category of sorceries, uh, sorcerers. Uh, the next one is whoremongers, which has to do with all kinds of sexual immorality. I read just this week that almost half the babies born in this nation are born out of wedlock. Now, you, you think of that. Murderers. Murderers. That pertains to killing someone in cold blood. I think we understand that. But I want to add this to it, and you've probably never thought of it in this way. When you talk about somebody else in a bad way, gossip, you are murdering somebody else's reputation. God looks at that as murder as well. So gossip falls under the category of a murderer. You're murdering someone's reputation. Idolatry. Now this is one of the most often committed sins. Anything that comes between you and God is an idol. Anything that you place on the same level with God is an idol. For instance, there's a lot of people today that believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins. They believe that. They teach that. But they also believe and teach that you have to be a member of their church or a member of their particular denomination to be saved. They believe that you have to be sprinkled, or they believe that you have to be baptized. You've got a group of people out there today that says, oh, you believe in Jesus, that's fine, but you've got to be filled with the Spirit and speak in other tongues to be saved. Anytime somebody comes and they add to the finished work of Christ, they're committing the sin of idolatry. They are saying that this little whatever it is over here is equal to 
what Jesus did at Calvary. In other words, what they're saying is what Jesus did at the cross was not enough. You've got to be a member of our church, or you've got to be baptized, or you've got to do this, that, and the other. It's Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary, that's it. What he did was sufficient to save, and our faith in that finished work alone. Anything added to that, you're committing the sin of idolatry. Now, the next one you have is liars. Liars. Haven, if you will, go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 22. Liars has to do with anything that is untrue. Anyone who is outside of Christ is a liar. Look at 1 John 2, 22. Who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Those who are not saved, they're Antichrist. They might not think of themselves as being Antichrist, but it is the spirit of Antichrist. Let's say it this way. Everyone has a spirit, a human spirit, but there's another spirit at work there as well. It's either the Holy Spirit or the spirit of Antichrist. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. If you're not saved, you have the spirit of Antichrist. All of these that I've just mentioned are outside of Christ. They are without Christ. Therefore, they're going to be outside the kingdom. So where are these people going to be in the perfect age to come? Haven, if you'll go to Revelation 21 and verse 8. We looked at this just a few weeks ago. Revelation 21 verse 8. But the fearful, the unbelieving, and the abominable, the murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars. Here we have that same list of people again shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So if you're not in Christ, you're going to be in the lake of fire. That's your choice. You can either make the decision to be in Christ, or you can be in the lake of fire. That's entirely up to you. All right, Revelation 22, verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. The phrase, I, Jesus, is used here in the closing of the canon of Scripture. And it's the only time that this phrase is used. And it stresses the importance of what is being said. He said, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. That has to do with the incarnation of Christ, God becoming man in order to save mankind. He went on to say the latter part of that verse, and the bright and morning star. Now, I did a little research on this, and... 
trying to figure out what in the world is he talking about here. I've, I've heard that many times, the bright and the morning star, and uh, what exactly does that mean? The bright and morning star is actually the planet Venus. It shines the brightest when neither the sun nor the moon is in the sky. It shines its brightest right before the breaking of the day. It's the sign, even in the darkest hour, that a new day is dawning. So the bright and morning star speaks of a new beginning. And all who trust in Christ can have a brand new start. Haven, if you'll go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, if you'll go back to Revelation twenty two seventeen, we're going to see the great invitation. As Revelation is closed out here. Revelation twenty two seventeen, And the Spirit and the bride say, come. This is the message of the Holy Spirit to a hurting, lost, and dying world. Come. It should also be the message of the bride, which is the church. That's you and I. Our message should be, getting others to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Those of us who have heard this message and have accepted it should be telling others about it. That's why the next part of that verse says, Let him that heareth say, Come. Let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. The doors of salvation has been flung wide open. To any and all of mankind. There is no discrimination. Even the vilest of sinners can come. And take of the water of life freely. The Lord Jesus Christ has given us that right to do so. The water of life. Jesus spoke uh, the last day of the feast. Um, he said... If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they should believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Understand this, God is not willing that any should perish. I think that would be obvious. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. All right, as we continue to close out the book of Revelation, Revelation 22 and verse 18, we have a warning here in the closing verses of the canon of Scripture. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. 
If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from those things which are written in this book. Now, this is not the only place in the scripture where we have a warning about adding to and taking from. Um, If you will, go to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2. Deuteronomy 4, verse 2. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that they may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. There you have it. Another one is Deuteronomy 12, verse 32. Deuteronomy 12, verse 32. What things soever I command you, observe to do it. Thou shalt not add thereto, nor diminish from it. In the book of Proverbs 30 and verse 6. Proverbs 30. Verse 6, add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. So as you can see, we have these warnings throughout the word of God about adding to and taking from what God has plainly said in his word. God takes his word very seriously, and yet man continues to change God's word so that he can make money or he changes God's word in order to suit his own needs. We're living in a day where the word of God is being changed like never before. There are hundreds of Bible translations out there today. And the reason these changes were made and the reason for all of these translations is because in order to get a copyright on an existing work, a certain amount of changes have to be made. And there are those that have taken God's word, they have removed words, they have removed entire uh, passages completely from the word of God, changing it, paraphrasing it, uh, putting their own little twist on it, if you will, and the whole objective behind it is to make money when you get right down to it. Now, There are a lot of good study Bibles out there today, commentaries, that sort of thing. I believe that God has moved upon uh, people that have studied the Word of God. There are things out there that when, when these things were put on the market, their intentions behind it was good. You get the commentaries, you read them, you study them, you learn from them, they're a blessing to you. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but you need to understand that that is a commentary, that is a study Bible. Always distinguish the difference between a commentary of what Dr. Who or whatever over here said uh, and and what God's Word says. Always make sure you put a a distinguishing uh, factor there between the two what is commentary and what is actually uh, the Word of God. Nothing wrong with having uh, these commentaries. My recommendation to you is this, 
The King James Version is a word-for-word translation out of the original Greek and Hebrew language. So whatever it is that you're reading and studying, always go to the King James and look it up there and compare what is being said. And I don't think you'll go wrong there if you do that. Revelation 22 and verse 20. He that testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. That should be the heart cry of every believer. And as we look at the things that are going on in this world, that's my heart's cry. There's a lot of things going on in this world, and it's not going to get any better till Jesus comes back. When Jesus comes back, he's going to set the record straight. He's going to straighten out this mess that's going on. Verse 21, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.